Canto 11, Chapter 18 The Varnashrama System, The Withdrawn and the Renounced The Supreme Lord said, When one, in the third phase of one's life, wants to retreat into the forest, one should, in order to reside there peacefully, entrust the wife to one's sons, or else, together with her, dwell in the forest. One should arrange for the pure sustenance of the bulbs, roots and fruits of the forest and dress oneself with tree bark, grass, leaves or animal skins. In the forest, one should allow the hair on one's head and body, one's facial hair and nails to grow, as also the filth of one's body, not extensively clean one's teeth, but bathe three times a day and at night sleep on the ground. This proceeding, one must ascetically tolerate the five fires during the summer, the torrents of rain during the rainy season, and the cold of winter when one is submerged in water up to one's neck. One eats what is either prepared on a fire, what has ripened by time, or what was pulverized with a mortar, with a stone or ground with one's teeth. One should personally collect whatever that is needed for one's sustenance depending the place, the time and one's energy and understand that living in the forest one must not store anything for another time. A vanaprastha may worship me with oblations of rice, barley and dal, may offer rice cakes or offer fruits according to the season, but he may never be of the worship mentioned in the scriptures of sacrificing animals. As he did before, when he was a Grihasta, he should perform the fire sacrifice, the sacrifice on a new moon day and a full moon day, as also the four months sacrifice that are enjoined by the Vedic experts. When he, with that ascetic practice, has worshipped me, the sage, the Vanaprastha, all skin and bones from the world of the seers will achieve me, the goal of all penance. Is there a greater fool? than someone who, for a long time being of this difficult but glorious penance that awards liberation, practices this penance for the purpose of trivial sense gratification. When he, in his regulated activities, due to old age, with his body trembling, is no longer able to carry on, he should place the sacrificial fire in his heart, concentrate on me, and enter the fire. But in case full detachment from all result-minded action has developed in him and the achievement of a higher world means nothing more to him than hell, he may give up the Vanaprashta sacrificial fire and take to the renounced order. After having worshipped me according to the injunctions and having given all he has to the priest, he, the Vanaprashta, must place the sacrificial fire within his life-breath and free from desires and worries, wander about as a sannyasi. The demigods, to begin with, create obstacles for him in the form of his wife and other allurements later on. These he should surpass and transcend. If his sage wishes to wear clothes, he uses another cloth to cover his loincloth. All the rest he gives up besides a water-pot and a staff accepting nothing else without necessity. 
he should place his foot on a clear place free from living beings, clear the water he wants to drink with his cloth, speak the truth in clear terms and engage in action with a clear mind. Saying little, reserve and breath control constitute the strict disciplines for the voice, the body and the mind. He with whom these are not found, my dearest, can, despite his bamboo rods, never be considered a real sannyasi. When he goes begging with the four varnas, he should at random approach seven different houses, avoid impure, sinful, polluted households, and be satisfied with whatever he acquired. Next, he somewhere outside has to go to a reservoir of water, wash himself, and then, without saying a word, distribute the food that was begged and purified. Thereafter, he should eat the food that remained in its entirety. He should move about alone on this earth free from attachment, with his senses fully under control, and, satisfied and amused with the true self, steady on the spiritual platform, be of an equal vision. In a remote and safe place, the sage, with his consciousness purified by his love for me, should concentrate on the soul only as being non-different from me. By focusing in knowledge, he must gain insight in the bound and liberated state of the self. He is bound when the senses are distracted, and he is liberated when he has them under control. The sage, with his six senses, the five physical senses and the mind, fully under control, being conscious of me, having experienced the greater happiness of the soul, therefore should live detached from futile material desires. He should travel to the pure places on earth with rivers, mountains and forests. The cities, towns and pasturing grounds he should enter only to beg for alms from those working for material purposes. He again and again must try to collect alms from the department of the Vanaprashta order of life, for by food obtained by gleaning in a purified existence, not being of fruit of labor, karma, one is freed from illusion and quickly achieves spiritual perfection. He should never take the perishable things he sees with his eyes for the ultimate reality. With a consciousness free from attachment, he should turn away from all designs for material progress in this life or a future existence. Fixed in his true self, he should no longer keep the universe in mind, and thus arguing as previously, forsake all that illusory energy that in the self binds together his mind, speech and vital air. Whether he, in detachment, is devoted to knowledge, or as my devotee not even desires liberation, he ultimately should abandon the ashrama duties and their rituals and move beyond the range of rules and regulations. Despite his intelligence, he, the detached soul, a sannyasi, should play like a child. Despite his expertise, he should act as if incompetent. Despite his learning, he should speak like being absent-minded and, despite his knowing the injunctions, he should behave in an unrestricted manner. He should never attach to the Karmakanda Vedic philosophy of sacrificing for the sake of return, nor should he erratically oppose it. He should refrain from skepticism and empty talk, 
nor take sides in political argumentations. Someone wise should never feel disturbed by other people, nor should he disturb others. He should tolerate harsh words, never treat anyone with disrespect, and never, like an animal to the interest of the body, with anyone create hostility. The one supreme soul is situated within all living beings as also within one's own body. Just like the one moon is reflected in different reservoirs of water, all material bodies are composed of the energy of the one Lord. He, the sannyasi, should not feel dejected when there is no or no proper food, nor should he rejoice at times when there is plenty of food. He should be firmly fixed in the notion that both matters of plenty and scarcity are determined by fate, by the Lord. He should endeavor, in order to eat and to sustain his personal life for us properly, for by that strength he contemplates the spiritual truth that being understood leads to liberation. The food he obtained by chance he must eat, whether it is first class or of a low quality. Similarly, the clothes and place to sleep a sage must accept the way they came of their own accord. General cleanliness, washing the hands, taking a bath and other regular duties are to be performed without any compulsion by a person of spiritual realization, just as free as I, the controller, act according to the game I play. For him, the perception of things as existing separate from me is over, for having me in view, such a perception is destroyed. Sometimes such a notion lingers till the body dies, but then he will attain me. He who has no notion of my dharma, but in his desire for spiritual perfection developed detachment from the lusty sense enjoyment that leads to unhappiness, should approach a wise, bona fide, spiritual master of proper reference, a guru. The devotee should serve the spiritual master who embodies me with great faith without envy and offenses for as long as it takes to arrive at a clear realization of the absolute truth. He, though, who is not in control of the six forms of vice, allows the charioteer of the body to be led by the senses, is bereft of knowledge and detachment, and just wants to subsist on and not learn from the three-stick staff, denies me, himself, and the divine personalities within himself, and harms the Dharma. Not having overcome the contamination of this world, he will also be lost and abandoned in the world hereafter. Non-violence and equanimity constitutes the dharma of a mendicant, a sannyasi. Discrimination and penance constitutes the dharma of someone living in the forest, a vanaprastha. Protecting all living beings and performing sacrifices constitutes the dharma of a householder, a grihastha. And serving the teacher of example, the acharya, constitutes the dharma of a celibate student, a brahmachari. Of all those who worship me with celibacy, austerity, cleanliness, contentment and being friendly towards all living entities, a householder, though, may approach his wife for intercourse at the proper time. Someone who thus, according to his dharma, worships me, is not devoted to anything else, 
and understands me to be present in all living entities, will obtain unflinching devotional service unto me. O Uddhava, he will come to me by bhakti, by loving service unto me, the Supreme Lord of all worlds, the Absolute Truth and Cause, the Origin and Dissolution of Everything. When one thus, by one's dharma, has purified one's existence, one will, fully understanding my supreme position and endowed with spiritual knowledge and wisdom, very soon reach me. The followers of the Varnashrama Dharma are characterized by this traditional code of conduct. This sense of duty, combined with my bhakti, awards the highest perfection of life. O saintly soul, this, what I describe to you on your request, constitutes the means by which one as a devotee can be perfectly engaged in one's duty and come to me, the one supreme. 